This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And in studio with Charlie, yours truly, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden. As I look out the window here, uh, as we um, are broadcasting for us live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village, I see a beautiful morning out there, Charlie. And you are adjusting the lights as I'm, <laughs> as I'm speaking here. I know. Uh, oh, Sorry. there we didn't, are. Didn't oh, no, mean no. to throw you off. That's there. okay. <laughs> you were just talking to an empty <laughs> microphone for a while. Listen, uh, uh, it was a bit dark in here, but it's better now. I'm glad to have you back. Thank I mean, you. Oh, it, was, it was a ton of fun uh, working. I uh, listened yes. last week. Yeah. I almost called in just to throw you guys off. Well, Dennis Flanagan is always delightful to work with, but it's always so good to have you in studio, too, you know. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Well, Dennis well, is a good filler in right? Is he ever? Is he, he ever? And we're going out golfing at some point. Oh, good. Yeah, again. again <laughs> so I yeah. lose more of his golf balls. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, listen, you were away. You were up at a cottage. I was up in Sparrow, yeah. on Sparrow Lake, uh-huh. <clears throat> which is close to Aurelia, for about nine days. Zipped back from there just in time to kind of quickly get myself slightly together last Tuesday to head off to Whitby and start teaching again at Durham College. Now, okay. Now, there's a whole other side story here about this. <laughs> you had, last year, you taught two courses. Is Correct. that right? Yeah. This year... I'm going to teach three courses. Okay. And this is in the horticulture program. All so right. this is for horticulture technicians. So I, took, I was teaching and continue to teach something called horticultural principles. Mm. So that's for first-year students. And uh, again, I'm going to be teaching something called greenhouse management, and that's for second-year students. Okay. So but, I said, now what's this new course all about, Charlie? Have well, you said? it's called Entomology and Pathology. Which means? Bugs and diseases. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Frank's jaw just well, dropped I, when yeah. I said that. <laughs> well, Dr. Dobbin, it's so, uh, I'm, I'm so thrilled to work with someone so educated. And, yes. And you know. Helping others. <laughs> oh, God. He, well, come on. You, you've yeah. learned a bunch of plant oh, names. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, that's right? true. But, so, well, we'll yeah. get you on bug names. Well, good for you, though. You only heard about this four <laughs> days before you actually took over the course. Yes. And you had to just jump on the commuter, uh, computer and get yourself all geared up again uh, Stuff that you'd studied, you know, several years ago. Like 40 plus. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I, who's I was, counting, right? <laughs> I was trying to stay away from putting a definite date on it, but there you go. Well, good for you. Yeah, so it's fun. It's fun. And I do, I love the teaching. Mm-hmm. The students are great. I mean, it's just being around people that are so energized Keep and so young. enthusiastic. Huh? Yeah, and they're all ages, too. I mean, yeah. there are, there's actually not that many students in my college courses who are right out of high school. A number of them are. Uh, been to university, a number mm-hmm. of them are second career people, a bunch of them are, you know, taking time off work to try and and follow a passion. Yeah. And that's the best part. Eh? So many These people, people, people want to be there. They come that's, in with passion and they just yeah. want to learn. They're so not forced. It's pretty to fun. Be there. Well, yeah. good stuff. Bunch of sponges. You know what I've been
better do is get the phone numbers on hey, here. here. That's a, a good idea, huh? All right. <laughs> if you're in the Toronto area, here's the number to reach Charlie here at Zuma Radio, 416-360-0740. Then anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Keep in mind our little mantra, call early, call often, one question per call. You can always call back. <laughs> and then if you're a first-time caller, please let Sebastian know our, our operator and that's what you're going to hear wings. when you get to the airwaves. Garden okay? wings. Okay, quickly, no. let me just sure. a couple of announcements because okay. stuff's happening like right now. So today, from 2 until 4.30, the Agent Court Garden Club welcomes you to share and photograph their annual flower competition. It's friendly but competitive. So there's 150-plus novice, regular, and, and or expert Asian Court Garden Club members who will be bringing specimens from their own gardens today for the competition in 112 categories. So it's going to be pretty beautiful, uh, happening at the Knox United Christian Education Centre, 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd in Toronto. Uh, as tomorrow, the Hamilton and Burlington Rose Society is hosting Ethel Freeman. She, her topic is how the international rose trials are organized and how they pick and show the top rose trial winners. So Ethel is apparently an excellent speaker with tons of rose growing experience. So if you're at all interested in learning anything about roses, 2 o'clock tomorrow at the Royal Botanical Garden Centre, 680 Plains Road West in Burlington, in rooms 3 and 4. Quickly as well, tomorrow the Ontario Hosta Society is hosting an annual general meeting and plant sale. So Mm -hmm. if you're a hosta collector, there's an opportunity to get in there and get some unusual hostas from the members. Man, we've got a ton of hostas selling. I bet you do, but you want something different and unusual, you might want to drop by this plant sale. It's happening from 1230 to 430. They have a guest speaker, Jonathan Hogarth. He's in from Mm -hmm. England. Lunch will be served. It's all happening at the Nasagawaya Community Center in Campbellville, which is part of the town of Milton. And one more thing, this Monday, the uh, uh, Asian Court Garden Club meeting at the Knox United Christian Education Center. They were host, they're hosting uh, a very funny woman who is a teacher and a comedian in from Scotland and will be presenting floral art and design information, I guess, with a lot of hilarity attached. Everyone, of course, is welcome to come on in, laugh, learn, and eat. 2575 Midland Avenue Avenue at Shepherd, Monday. Uh, what time? Okay, no time. Whatever, just okay. show up. Oh, no, wait, there's 8, eight o'clock. 8 o'clock. All right. <laughs> Either way. All righty, we've had a scoot along. We have a full line of uh, callers waiting to talk to you. In fact, we have a couple that we're going to be chatting with in just a moment. Anna and Dave, hold on tight. We're coming to you here on Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, um... Our couple seem to have disappeared into thin air, so I don't know what happened there. And that's okay, because... Well, we've got Mary and Jane. Mary Jane. Yes, <laughs> Mar- Mary Jane in Welland. Welcome to Welland. Uh, no, uh, welcome to Toronto, Welland. Uh, there's Mary Jane. Hi, Mary Morning. Jane. <laughs> Good morning. You've been helpful the other times. Uh, I'm hoping you can help me with this one. All right. I have a low-growing... I don't know the name of it. I lost the tag. Uh, it's, a, it's a red, single-petaled... Uh, low-growing rosebush. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has yellow centers, and it is just full of suckers. Mm. They're popping up 
everywhere. I need a suit of armor to get down in the middle of it. It's so thick. But you're to referring to what's growing as suckers. Are the suckers, do they look different? The leaves are different yeah, color, different they're, shape? they're soft stems, mm. uh, kind of a reddish color, mm. uh, little leaves on them. They're, mm. And they're just, popping up, they're, they're just popping up everywhere. I don't know what I could do about this. Hmm. They now look the, awful. Yeah, I imagine. So, the, But the rose that you are seeing flowers on with the single-petaled red flowers... Is that the rose that you planted? Like, do you remember you chose that rose? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. And I had it. I had it actually in Newmarket, and I moved it here. Oh okay. And I mean, it's gorgeous. It's about six feet across and about three feet high. It's just and it's loaded with flowers. Mm. But these suckers just keep. And I've got more in this year than I've ever had before. Hmm. So I don't. I like. I don't know whether I can spot them in the spring when I, you know, when it's thinner. <laughs> yeah. So what I would probably do is, yeah, the old coat of armor, long sleeves for sure. And of course, the weather is kind of working in our favor here. It's cold enough we can put on serious clothing. Yeah. And and what you want to do with some leather gloves is you actually, instead of cutting out those suckers, you want to break them out. And oh. if you break them from where they're growing from, so you might, you're going to have to move soil away from the base of the plant, uh, they, are, they will not grow back. When we okay. cut them, we get double the growth back. Oh. Well, that may be the problem because yeah. I've just been snipping them off. Yeah. So yeah. It, what I would do, and, and you're right, I mean, it's a big shrub now, and to get down in there right now is going to be tough. Yeah. If you can put this off till the spring, I'm a huge fan of doing serious pruning on roses in the spring. Yeah, you said that. Yeah. I've done it in the fall, but I'll give it a try in the spring. Yeah, I mean, you can do minimal or, or some pruning in the fall, particularly for the you know health and safety of the plant and, and the homeowner and the people that are visiting. But when it comes to really hard, hard pruning, uh, I, tr- I try to do that in the spring. Though okay. you can do serious hard pruning later in the season, you know, like October. Right. Not now. If you did hard pruning on a rose right now, you would force a bunch of new growth up and all that. Oh, no, new... it's loaded with flowers. Yeah. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, so it's the last yeah. thing you want to do is any hard pruning now anyway. But, yeah, in the spring would be the time to do it, and that would be like really cut back the chosen amounts right. at, that you want to keep, but cut right down, cut down to a foot tall even. And oh. then that gives you the opportunity to get in there and move some soil out of the way and break those suckers out. Okay, because they're, they're popping out now like out of the ends, the top, I can see them. So I've just been snipping those little branches off where I see them coming out. So you see that kind of growth coming off of the chosen rose. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, then up, it w- up higher. wouldn't technically be a sucker. So, oh. Jeanette, yeah, I mean, it could be, hmm. I know, it's with all the moisture this year, the plants have been growing so fast. I know. I, I wonder if some of that growth look, is just very, very soft, full of water, and just looks different from the original plant, but actually, given time, will look more normal. Oh, um, well, maybe I'll just leave these babies yeah, that are coming, yeah. and, and then I'll work on these great big long ones that keep shooting up. Because from they underground. Because they in like a day. Yeah, and it's from underground, they're, and they're coming off the root, those ones oh, you so want to... they're coming off the root. Yeah, yeah, and so that's oh. where you move the soil aside... You you follow that sucker down and you break it off from the root. Break it off. Yep. Yep. I will do that. Okay, All right. Mary Jane. All right. Let us know Thank how that goes. So much. You're All welcome. Right. I have more for... problems, but I'll be back another week. <laughs> All right. You're Thank always you so welcome. Much. Always <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Um, let's see. In, mentally, in my mind, I'm looking at a map of Ontario, Charlie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, yeah, there there is Hamilton. And, oh, gosh, there's Cayuga. Just about <laughs> midway. Ooh. There is 
Empire Corners. Aren't Verna you joining us on again. The ball. Well, yeah. <laughs> hey, welcome back to the show here, Verna. From last week, you made a call. Hi. Yes, and thanks for taking my call, and hope you had a good holiday, Charlie. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm inquiring a few. I'm going to say a couple of months ago, possibly, and this course you're taking or giving may have the answer. You said something about a tomato, almost like a plague. Yeah, they're blight or whatever. Yes. Could you sort of tell me what that looks like or what am I, I, because I think we had a... Well, they're actually, blight is very common on tomatoes in years like this one, where there's such high humidity, high moisture levels, both in the air and the soil, and blight is a fungal disease. The trick with tomato blight is there's three kinds. So we won't get into the Latin names, but there's early blight, mid blight, and late blight. So many of us have some early blight, and that's where the leaves, uh, green leaves on the tomatoes, start getting yellow spots. And they typically, it starts at the bottom, so on the older growth, you'll get little yellow spots. Eventually, those yellow spots turn brown, and then eventually the the tissue just drops away. So it almost looks like a shotgun has been shot into the plant. But it's the leaves that are being damaged. The fruit is fine. There's no reason why you can't continue to harvest the tomatoes until at some point there's just no leaves left, and then the plant is, is garbage. And we try to not keep that plant on the property. We eliminate it if we can to try and take those spores off the property at the time, which is likely what you have. If you had late blight, late blight is kind of an overnight situation where you've got a pretty good-looking tomato plant, and the next day you've got a plant on the ground very dead, including the fruit. What <clears> happened <throat> was uh, the leaves did start to dry to die, mm-hmm. but there was... Uh, it looked like something had hit, attacked the stem also, mm-hmm. and then we got... Um, I don't know, something on the actual tomato. Mm. Uh, like, um, I won't say it's like a blister, but it sort of, uh, it discolored and... Um, Turned brown. I just didn't know if it was that plague or whatever you said well, we were going to experience. Well, and the other thing that can happen to tomatoes, if you found that the fruit of the tomato was turning brown or mushy or inedible, and that started at the very bottom of the tomato, not on the side, not no, on the top. It started at the top. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it started at the top. <clears throat> Again, it's it could be, see, insects have been, you know, earwigs have been very, very happy this year, and they'll start chewing away on your tomato in the middle of the night and make a hole, mm-hmm. and then it rains, and water goes into that hole, and then the sun doesn't come out, and it's gray, and it's cold, and before you know it, that hole full of water starts rotting. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things going on right now with our tomatoes and with so many of our garden vegetables because of these circumstances of humidity, moisture, cool weather, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I will say, that's what Rick, my partner, has been said uh, he thought it was the intense heat for those few days, and then. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm thinking it was something else. Well, the tomatoes typically love the heat, but this year they didn't get a lot of it. So for anybody who's having a great harvest, good for you. Most of us are getting a very middling harvest on our tomatoes. So uh, next year's a new year. We planted lots of tomatoes, so we were lucky. Yeah, good. (laughs) Okay, Verna. Thanks for calling. Thank you very much. Uh, Well, thanks for your answer. You betcha. We have to kind of move along here. Uh, You are listening to The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio AM 740, Master Gardener 
Charlie Dobbin, Master Gardener, uh, will be back <laughs> to answer more questions. By the way, if you're in the downtown area of Toronto, try checking us out at uh, 96.7 FM. Crystal mm. clear, don't you know? Mm. And uh, we're going to get, uh, well, as we clear that line, uh, let's see. We have Patrick. a line open, 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll free, one 866 740 We'll return to talk to Patrick from Whitby in just a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, we're going to whip out to Whitby and say hi to Patrick. Good morning, Patrick. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you two? Excellent. How are you? Good. I'm good, and uh, congratulations, Charlie, on your teaching career. Oh, thank you. I enjoy teaching as well. Is that right? Yes. Um, I'm calling with regards to a tree that I have out front of my house. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, we're in a subdivision. It's a uh, builder's tree, right. as I tend to call it. <laughs> it's decided uh, over the last few years to grow sideways instead of up. Wow. And I have... Uh, about four or five lower branches that are about well, maybe three inches in diameter mm-hmm. uh, that need to be cut out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at when. <laughs> cut them. So what kind of a tree is it? Do you have any idea? I have no idea, unfortunately. Okay. I don't know what kind of tree it is. And when you refer to it growing sideways instead of up, is the, is the trunk straight up? Is it a vertical, you know perpendicular to the ground kind of trunk well, happening or is it it's angled? Sort, of, sort of perpendicular to the ground mm. so it's got a bit of a lean it sounds like no it doesn't have a it doesn't have a lean to it it's just got a lot of branches right and i'd like to lop off the the bottom yeah. oh three four five branches uh to yeah so you know what you happens? Know, Sometimes a tree see my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. One tree becomes a forest. So what happens sometimes is a tree in, in a big wind or uh, for disease purposes, whatever, can sometimes lose its leader. So its terminal top branch, branch, which is what you want. When you've got that terminal bud way up at the top, then your growth tends to be up. When you lose that terminal leader, the growth is sideways, and that's likely what's happened. So when it comes to trimming up the branches so that you can walk beneath the canopy when you're mowing the lawn or, you know, people are trying to find your house, yes, indeed, taking off lower branches can be a very good idea. Doing it properly and, like you said, at the right time is also important. So... What you'll need, if it's as big as three-inch type size branches, is a very sharp saw. You need a nice dry day. Uh, We do have a couple of dry days coming, so potentially you could remove these branches that are causing a problem sometime this weekend. Be very, very careful that no bark gets stripped off as a result of removing a branch and then the weight of the branch falls to the ground, ripping bark down the trunk at the same time. So do your cuts. Cut from beneath first, on about four inches out from where you're going to make your final cut. Do another cut from above, about six inches out. And what will happen is the, the, that 90% of the branch will fall to the ground and you'll still have that stub sticking off the, the main trunk. 
Then with your sharp saw again, you'll make your final cut just outside the branch collar. So just outside that sort of donut ring that you'll see on the main stem where the branch was growing out from, you're going to cut at that ring, not into the ring, just outside it. Clear up that stub. Healing will happen very quickly and the plant will be in good shape and healthy to move forward. How many branches do you do at any one time? Well, you know, the rule of thumb, 30% of a plant at any one time when we're pruning. So you'll have to kind of stand back and get a sense of that canopy. Maybe one branch now, one branch in the spring, maybe two branches now, one branch in the spring, just to, to get it to that point where you want it. But you don't want to just devastate the plant, take too much out all at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like you got a, a little bit of work ahead of you, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for calling. Here's the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Uh, oh, hey, I've got to get my uh, bell ringing arm in shape here. Oh, nice. That's for Donna in Newcastle. Good morning, Donna. Welcome to the show. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a. Thank you for taking my call, by the way. Thank you for I calling. Have, um, a, difficulty with uh, crabgrass mm-hmm. um, every fall mm-hmm. and for an area uh, along the side of the sidewalk yeah. about two feet in it grows solid thick. yeah I uh, have pulled it all out this year once mm-hmm. again and I've put down some seed uh-huh. and some soil okay good now it's been suggested to me that I put down corn gluten. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what you think about the corn gluten aspect. So corn gluten is a great idea, but timing is everything. Uh-huh. The way it works with crabgrass, and that's good that you're able to pull it all out, because every crabgrass plant can disperse up to 60,000 seeds. Okay, <laughs> one plant. Oh. And that happens now, right mm-hmm. now through September and October. Once we get into winter, that those plants, those that you're looking at and that you were looking at in your lawn, they die. <clears throat> they are annual plants, so they die in the frost. However, they've left behind all those seeds on the surface of the soil, which are there ready to go in the spring. Okay. So that's, that's why, okay. what you did is smart. You got rid of the plants. You've eliminated part of the problem by getting rid of those seeds. You've also jumped on that uh, good timing bandwagon soil and proper turf grass seed in that spot now. now Just a proper... Proper seed? Well, meaning uh, you've chosen a, a, a proper grass mix oh. that is a turf grass mix as opposed to allowing all those crabgrass seeds to take over that empty spot. Right. Okay. okay. So in a perfect world and very likely because there's lots of time, what you've planted in the way of seeds will germinate this fall. You'll have that nice new little coating of new green grass coming up this fall, next spring. Mm-hmm. When you will apply the corn gluten is next spring. You will apply it with a spring fertilizer. You will see it for sale under the Scott's Miracle Grow name, and it, I believe it's just, you know, lawn fertilizer, crabgrass preventer. Mm-hmm. And it's a red and white bag. When you open the bag, it's, it's, they're ye- it looks like yellow, corn-colored uh, grains inside the bag. So it does include fertilizer. It does include corn gluten. Corn gluten will stop the germination of any seeds where it, the corn gluten is applied. So if other crabgrass seeds have managed to float into your garden and lawn area, they will not grow in the presence of the corn gluten. So that's a preventing any 
crabgrass from coming back. So that's a good thing to do. You apply it in the spring when the forsythia is blooming. When you're just starting to see the forsythia shrubs starting to turn yellow in the spring, that's your timing to apply the corn gluten. I see. So putting the corn uh, corn gluten down now would be useless. That's right. And um, actually, be worse than useless. Corn gluten that he was showing me. Yeah. Uh, But see if you. Sorry to interrupt, but if you put corn gluten down now, mm-hmm. then the grass seeds that you have planted will not grow. Well, okay. So mm-hmm. it's not only will you not stop crabgrass, but you'll actually stop your remedy. And your remedy is a good one, getting the grass seeds down now. Because right. next spring when you put the corn gluten down, it, no seeds are going to germinate. So mm-hmm. you, you want to stop the crabgrass, but you certainly aren't going to go out there and start reseeding your lawn when you're putting out corn gluten because they won't grow. Okay. 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 Now, is it um, is the fast growing grass seed? I see so many different types mm-hmm. of grass seed, um, and of course, there's sun and shade. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's obvious. But there's a lot of grass seeds that say they will germinate very quickly. Mm-hmm. Are they as strong and healthy a grass seed as the slower germinating ones? Okay, well, there's a lot of different kinds of grass seeds out there. The one that germinates the fastest is the annual bluegrass, and it will germinate within about 36 hours. So very quickly you see some green growth. However, it's an annual plant. So again, those little annual bluegrass seeds that grow and give you little green turf die in the winter. The slower growing seeds are things like Kentucky bluegrass, some of the fescues, um, and, and all the sort of 101 different sort of turf grasses that are out there. So bottom line is you do get what you pay for when you buy grass seed. So don't don't go cheap when you're buying grass seed. Buy what you think is the right one for your, your situation and, you know, spend a few bucks, get a good quality grass seed mix. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Donna. We're kind of uh, bridging into a second question there. Uh, very, yeah. very but handily that's a good done, question, though. though. Yes, it is. It is a good and, question. And connected to the first question. But <laughs> no, it is indeed a second. And Patrolman Proctor is picking this off. Sharper and more on the ball. I'm <laughs> yeah, so, I know. Frank's asleep at the wheel uh, there. Not quite. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, we have Pat in Scarborough ready to join us. Hi. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. Good thank morning. You for, thank you for taking my call. Our pleasure. I received a. Um, Gerber daisy for Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. I took it out of the pot and I planted it in the garden, and it's been beautiful all nice. summer. Orange flowers and beautiful foliage. Mm-hmm. But now, what do I do with it? <laughs> well, you have two options. One is you leave it alone and it dies, and you get a new get whoever gave it to you for Mother's Day this year. Tell them you <laughs> loved it, and to give you another one next year. Right. So, so there's that option. You could try digging it up, potting it into a pot giving it a good thorough wash with soap and water and, you know, making sure everything's nice and clean and bug-free mm-hmm. and then bring it in the house before frost. And where you are, there's no frost warning tonight, but a lot of Ontario is under a frost warning tonight. Mm-hmm. So it right. is one of those things you need to be doing fairly quickly mm-hmm. if you want to try and bring it in and save it. That's that's the only thing you can do. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Thank okay, you. Thank you very much. Speaking of cold, three degrees when I got in the car this morning. And to make matters worse, Charlie, I got up and I went out to drive it to get in my car. The, the 
uh, tire was flat. Flat. The back, yeah, oh, one of the goodness. rear tires. So thank God Shirley's car was right there. And I said, hey, i got to borrow your car. Yeah, that's okay. So I uh, come flying down here, but I didn't know how to work all the controls, like for the heat. And, oh, man, I was freezing. Oh, Wishing you had your long Finally underwear. discovered it two blocks from the station. Oh, nice. How brilliant. Got but anyway, all warmed up just in time yeah, to get here. But just to let you, uh, three degrees. Yeah, where you got, live, and you're yeah. like Stouffville sort of area. Yeah, just the northern part of Stouffville, yeah, actually, so. you know, near Vivian Road. Yeah, well, exactly. Where I was, Huntsville, they were talking uh, frost warning yeah, last night. Yeah. And I actually visited an interesting market gardener, a couple who have, in their retirement, created and gro- and are growing massive amount of vegetables in a garden. They're so cute. They're going, this is our retirement hobby. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. That yeah. is a serious hobby. Yeah. It's so, not like real professionals. Yeah. There. Well, mm-hmm. they they weren't farmers other than dairy farmers right. as children, but really interesting. Just lovely, lovely people and working so hard. And it was just really interesting to see what they're doing. And Just some- glancing, uh, just sorry, just glancing at the uh, monitor. We have two uh, at least two first-time callers are on the oh, line great. ready to talk to you. So we, we have to take a little bit of a break mm-hmm. here. And uh, we'll come back to welcome Betty from Etobicoke in moments on Zuma Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, frogs, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And I'm the sous chef of The Garden, Frank Proctor. Nice to be with you on this Saturday morning. Just before we get to our lines again and our callers, uh, some contact information has been uh, requested. So here's the email to reach Charlie here at uh, Zoomer Radio, c.dobbin, that's D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. Com. And Charlie, how about your snail mail? My snail mail. If you're not an emailer person and you want to send gifts through the mail, <laughs> contact yeah. me here at the station, 70, so 70, Jefferson Avenue. So 70 Jefferson Avenue in Toronto. And the postal is M6K1Y4. Excellent. All righty. And now the bell ringing arm back in shape. Yes. Here it hey, is. that's for Betty in Etobicoke. Good morning, Betty. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi there. Uh, I have a, a problem with uh, my peppers. Uh, my pepper plants are producing some beautiful-looking peppers, mm. but when I take them inside and cut them open, they have little worms in them and uh, black gunk. Mm. Doesn't How sound can I very prevent that? nice. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well... That's the kind of thing that you'd have to be on top of in advance. So the the little worms have, there's going to be little holes from the outside of the pepper where the little worms have burrowed inside. Once they've burrowed inside, moisture, water, bacteria, viruses that they're carrying on their bodies infect the peppers. So I look for little holes, but they must be very tiny, like pinpricks. Um, yeah, or it could be that, the, that this is something that infested the peppers back when the little peppers were so small. And then, of course, the peppers have grown and the little insects were inside growing along with and chewing on the inside and causing damage. Um, it, it really, with, with so many of our vegetables, it's, it's just kind of going out there and studying and getting out your magnifying glass, keeping track of everything. Sometimes, yes, horrible things get past us. Um, 
prevention with things like that, you'd have to have seen the infestation starting and you would be on top of having <clears throat> having some control with soap, safer soap, uh, because that will kill on contact. Of course, it won't kill insects inside a pepper. You'd have to get the insects while they're still on the outside of the plants. Um, we, a lot of times people will use companion plants as a way to keep some nasty bugs away from their peppers. Garlic being one of the famous ones. You know, no, no bug likes garlic, right? So if we plant garlic around many of our vegetable plants, we'll find that we have less infestation from, from insects, uh, from pests. Uh, so that's an I've idea. I noticed that one with a rosemary plant beside mm. it was okay. Yeah, exactly. Many of the herbs have great um, ability, again, to ward off um, pests. But, of course, we do want the insect life in our gardens because you wouldn't have any pepper fruit if you didn't have the insects pollinating for you. So, you know, you need to see things buzzing around, and that's all good. You need those pollinators. But maybe it's more just a sense of, yeah, exactly, thinking, try not to clump all of one plant together, because as soon as an insect finds a plant they like, then they hang out and all their friends join them, and they've got a whole party going on in that section of your garden. So using things like rosemary in between, using thyme, basil, garlic, etc., onions, leeks, can, and, and dispersing some of these plants around the garden can make a real difference in terms of keeping some safe. If one gets infested, others are safe. Mm-hmm. That would be my best suggestion for moving forward next year. Okay. All righty. Thank you, Betty, uh, for joining us here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Oh, well, now, wait a minute. Here we have another first-time caller. Ah. That's for Elizabeth in Burlington. Good morning, Elizabeth. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Oh, thank you very much for taking my call. Hmm. Now go right ahead. What I'd like to know, uh, Charlie, is I had beautiful lilacs. They were cut back last year. Mm-hmm. Now they've grown again. They're reaching for the sky. Mm-hmm. But there's no flowers. Will they ever flower again? Okay, so with lilacs and with any of our flowering shrubs, timing is everything. When we When it's time to do pruning on a lilac and whether it's light pruning or a big heavy duty serious pruning the time to do it is right after they flower if ours aren't flowering then we look at the neighbors and see when they're flowering and that's when we cut ours back because if you prune lilacs right now as an example you'd be pruning off next spring's buds the flower buds are there now uh, and so that's likely what's going on with your with your lilacs right now is they're covered in little flower buds that are going to bloom next spring, and of course that's when you do the radical pruning is right after that flowering. If you didn't get flowers this spring, it's because probably the pruning was done at the wrong time the year before. Okay, does that help out, uh, Elizabeth? Thank you very much. Okay, you're welcome, welcome. and you come on back and join us anytime, okay? (laughs) Don't be a stranger. No, the door is always open here at Zoomer Radio, certainly for the Garden Show, that is for sure. Uh, We have to take another little short break here, but uh, we're going to come back and, you know, we're going to go on a little trip to Wyoming. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's up next. Always wanted to be The crew of the Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. On this beautiful Saturday morning, let's take a little trip, as I mentioned, to Wyoming. Well, that's actually toward the Sarnia area, hmm. around Petrolia, I think. Yes. Uh, and good morning, and welcome to the show. Good morning. Uh, glad to be on. It is a beautiful day. Uh-huh. And we are about uh, 10 minutes 
uh, east of Sarnia. I got you. Okay. Nice. Very pretty. Um, My question is about clematis or Mm -hmm. clematis, whatever way. Um, We're expanding our deck, and I have two that need to be moved, unfortunately. And I'm wondering if fall or spring would be the best. I know I don't even think they like to be moved. No, but not really. What would be the best time? Do, do you have any idea what kind of clematis they are? They're blooming actually right now. Okay. Uh, one of them has flowers, so it's um, late, you know, late summer. Both of them are the same kind. Okay, and what color are the flowers? They're like a very light purple. Okay, and are they a flat, like yes. a star-shaped flower? Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So what I would do is I would, tr- if you have to move them in the fall, you have to. But I would suggest that the better time to transplant is the spring. Okay. And the reason why is because in the spring, prior to transplanting, you're going to cut them right down. You're going to cut them down to being about four, four or five inches tall. Okay. So mm-hmm. everything is cut down. Keeping in mind that clematis or clematis, as you point out, are very brittle. The stems are very brittle mm-hmm. in the spring. Mm-hmm. So when you do your cutting, sharp pruners on a dry day, take that whole top section off into the compost. Dig out the root ball of the clematis, holding the soil as much as you can to the roots. Have the hole ready where it's moving to into the new spot, same level as it was growing. And through that whole process, be very careful to not knock into those four-inch stems that are sticking up out of that root ball. Right. So you're going to try and not crack any bark, cause any extra breakage on those stems. Because, of course, new growth is going to pop right from the root and from Mm -hmm. those brittle stems. And you want as much growth as possible to come out that first year be prepared that it's going to take a year or two for the plants to really yeah, come back. They're so big beautiful time. right now. I'm yeah. like, um, should I put any type of a, a root uh, fertilizer or anything when I transplant? Or? You can. There are certainly root starters or transplanter fertilizers, which tend to be a high middle number, high phosphorus fertilizers. Uh, a handful of bone meal can be effective. Just make sure that where you're going, the, the clematis roots are in the shade, okay. but it grows up into the sun. Right. So it, it likes the cool run for the roots, but it needs the sun to get all those blooms. Okay, good. Okay. Great. Thanks very much. You're Thank very you, welcome. Bye Thanks now. for calling. Thank you. Uh, right here on a beautiful day, as we indicated, as we introduced, Anne, it is going to be a honey of a day. Well, look. Blue, but, blue, blue. Beautiful yeah. blue. Like robin's egg blue sky out here. I can't help but as as we are enjoying this wonderful weather, think of the folks down in Florida. Man, not what enjoying. An awful well, not just Florida, situation. but the entire well, Caribbean. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a huge, huge storm system. Mm-hmm. Wow. Anyway, more about that a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we better get out and have a word with Jean in Orangeville. Good morning, mm-hmm. Jean. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. We have a beautiful, big purple ash tree in our front yard, which we've been taking care of for the last several years. Not realizing when we planted it, there'd be such a root problem with it. <laughs> so the roots, as you know, are all up close to the surface. Is it possible to um, plant some low-growing evergreens around the base of this tree? Or have you got some other suggestions that might work? Uh, okay, hold on. One quick question. You said purple ash? Mm-hmm. Yes. So is it a mountain ash? Or it can't be a... There's no... I don't know of any purple... If I got the wrong name. Is it a maple? It's the one that's invited by being attacked by these uh, oh, no. emerald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The emerald yeah. ash borers. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, what color are the leaves right now? They're green, right? They're green. Right, and they're going to give you a sort of a purple fall color. Yes, exactly. Okay. So, all right. Uh, I believe it's actually a white ash. All right. So, oh, really? the challenge is. Um, 
hmm, you're in Orangeville. So should you, I guess the bigger question is, what do we do to try and protect this tree from the borers entering into it? Oh, I'm not having any problems with even getting it, uh, the injection. Oh, excellent. Good idea. Mm -hmm. And is it right now grass around the base of the tree? It is. And it makes, my son cuts the lawn. It makes it really difficult because some of these roots are right up at the top and you're hitting it with the lawnmower. Right. Okay, so, and the reason that happens, just so you know and anybody else who's listening, the reason that happens is that when it's very, very dry and we put out a sprinkler to, you know, moisten our lawns Mm -hmm. and we think in terms of maybe some of this water will get down to the tree, what happens is we encourage that superficial root growth from our trees when we water lightly on the lawn. So we water the top inch, basically, of the the turf area, and the tree responds by growing a whole bunch of roots up in that top one-inch layer. Mm -hmm. So to avoid that, watering deeply around the tree encourages deep root growth, and then we don't have that problem. So what can you do now? Now what you would do, what I would do, two things. I would, it's great that you're um, treating the tree to protect it from the bore. Have you had an arborist on the property to do any um, thinning of the canopy or any work that way? I had a few, I had my son take a few branches out and I've had an arborist take another branch or two out because they're very low. Mm-hmm. Duck guts under them when you're trying to cut the lawn. Right. So you want to raise that canopy, but you also want to make sure you've got good air and sun penetration into the canopy. Okay. So thinning the canopy where there's crossing branches or branches just growing in the wrong direction, it just gets very dense inside these trees, and that can be uh, something that contributes to the downfall of the tree. So that's just one thing to consider. Mm -hmm. I would remove the turf from the the base. It is going to be shady below there. There's not – the only evergreens that would grow below something like that would be yews or – boxwood, um, neither of which would be my no. first choice beneath no. an ash. No. But what I would probably do is I'd get the, the turf out of there. I'd probably use some stones, some fairly good-sized stones, a few of them just to ground the whole garden that I'd be uh, planting at the base. And then I would be adding soil because you're going to need to add some soil around this plant to grow plants. Right. But also it's going to help deal with some of those roots that are so close to the surface. And then I'd be choosing some shade taller. It might be ferns, might be hostas, might be azaleas, it might be hellebores. There's a whole bunch of very cool shade tolerant herbaceous and woody plants that can grow and give you a beautiful, uh, colorful garden beneath. And and stop fighting with trying to grow a lawn in all that shade. And, of course, also you don't hit your head because you're not doing all that trimming of grass and, and walking beneath. That would be my impulse, and that would help get some soil up over those roots as well and stop with the uh, scalping when with you the, the mower. And you're talking about large or small? No, large. I'd get a couple of large ones. If it's a, if it's a good-sized tree, how tall is the tree roughly? Oh, it's much bigger than we thought right. it was going to be. Right. So, it's a, so a big tree like that, when we put a little garden at the base of it, it sometimes looks a little silly, like a little yeah. donut around the bottom. Okay. So that's why I'd, get, I'd go bigger than smaller in terms of a garden. And if you can afford or if you have access to some big stones... I'm talking, yeah, like mm-hmm. tw- 24 inch by 24 inch, even 30 inch by 30 inch kind of, whether they're rockery stones or armor stone or whatever, just some stones that will ground that whole mm-hmm. sort of vignette that you're going to create. All righty. 
Thank you, Gene, for joining the show. Delightful to have you with us here on this Saturday morning. We're running right at a race. I know, we are. The time is going like crazy. Where did that that happen? Well, I've got a big day. I'm so thankful that we've got a nice sunny day happening because uh, my girl, Cheryl. Party, party. Yeah, her her daughter, Andrea, and uh, her husband, Martin, they're celebrating their 20th anniversary Mm -hmm. and Martin's birthday a little bit later on this month. So So they combined the whole deal. Big event. Big Big party happening. And big fireworks. Fireworks at 8.30 yeah, around the uh, Vivian Kennedy Road area. So <laughs> yeah, so heads up on that, everybody. You'll know what's happening, yeah. <laughs> you know where Frank lives if you're in <laughs> the area. Right. <laughs> Watch where those fireworks are coming oh, from. Oh, it's just going to be a great time. That's great. Well, you have fun with that. And of course, you've got another show you're doing in the next hour or yes, two. Yes, I'll be back at 1 o'clock for mm-hmm. a Live in the City and uh, look forward to having lots of fun. I've got a new little feature. I'm, I'm going to be dealing with weird news stories that have oh. happened this past week. Great. I always find those interesting. You know, totally. you read a paper and you think that kind of the fillers, yeah, but yeah. sometimes the filler is much better than the news. Absolutely. <laughs> the one where, like, you know, the alligator comes out of the toilet. Or... It's, my gosh. You've, you've I got it. One of my, well, <laughs> it's one of those weird yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. I, I know. I love those, too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. Thank you, Frank. Couldn't do it without your help. You are the best sous chef. And Sebastian, couldn't do it without him. Best callers in the world. So keep those questions coming, and we'll see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.